I think the biggest mistake you make when you first become a leader is uh, thinking that leadership is a soft skill. I could be a CEO because you know people like me. So that's not going to cut it. They're technical skills you need to acquire. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. With me today is Dr. Jonathan Bektari, CEO of E7 Health, E-National Testing, and U.S. Drug Test Centers. Jonathan brings over 20 years of clinical, administrative, and entrepreneurial experience. He's a triple board certified physician with specialties in internal medicine, pulmonary, and critical care medicine. Jonathan was formerly the medical director of the Valley Health Systems, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Culinary Health Fund. He also served as clinical faculty for several medical schools, including the University of Nevada and Toro University. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Carol. What an honor. Oh, thank you. So, you know, as, as I mentioned, you're, you, know, you have founded and you, and you run three different companies. <laughs> um, E7 Health is local to Nevada only, but your other two companies, U.S. Drug Test Centers and E-National Testing are both national. Um, you founded E7 Health, the first of your three organizations in 20, 2009. Yes. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of that and the problem you were looking to solve. Yeah. So at that time, I, you know, I had been doing clinical medicine as well as administrative medicine. And I think, uh, you know, we were all sort of feeling the same thing that, you know, access to certain preventive health and wellness stuff, even uh, even that was difficult. There was too many l- layers, too many barriers. You know, I, we saw statistics that I think the CDC publishes that, you know, says there's about 50,000 vaccine preventable deaths in the United States annually. This is, of course, before COVID. Yeah, right. And so, uh, so, and I think that statistic still bears out. And so we really wanted to see if we could create a company that would address that, almost a a vaccine center, adult vaccination company, before even, you know, became popular, people knew the value of vaccinating adults. You know, now with COVID, it's, you know, people get it. So I I often joke around, we were like a COVID company before COVID hit. Uh, So we really focus on every part of healthcare that's involved in adult vaccinations, whether it's travel medicine, employee health, student health. Uh, A lot of uh, different sectors require adult vaccinations. So we just figured if there was a way we could create a technology and an organization that just focused on that, not as a side thing to whatever else we were doing, but as the core thing. You know, a lot of people kind of urgent cares do a little bit of what we do, a few doctor's offices, Walgreens, but nobody really does it as their main thing. Places to so focus on it, yeah. Focus on it. So at the mm-hmm. exclusion of doing primary care, origin care, or workman's comp, or anything else. So 
then once we got into it, it became obvious that there was no technology that really was made for it. We used some third-party softwares and electronic health records and management software, but they weren't really meant uh, for what we were trying to do. So we slowly got into the technology game. When, you know, I, I really think it's fair to say we're really more of a technology company than anything else. We have our own development team. We write our own platform. Everything we do on all three companies really operates on our own platform and technology. Mm-hmm. So it was really an impetus to really forge ahead. And the goal of that technology was to reduce friction for uh, clients, patients, our staff, and see how we could make it easier, make it you know like going to Amazon to get what you need. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you mentioned the number of vaccine preventable deaths and that your focus is on adult vaccination. I mean, what are some of the figures around that? Because as an adult myself, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't think of too many vaccinations I've received, you know, outside of, you know, maybe a tetanus shot. Right. 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 Well, even that tetanus shot needs to be updated every five to 10 years. Right. Uh, the annual people, th- tens mm-hmm. of thousands of people die from the flu. So if you're not getting your flu shot, right. Uh, if you're also, uh, depending on your age, you know, your pneumonia shot, uh, um, depending, you know, by the time you get into college, you probably, you know, if you're going to be going to the dorms or anything, you probably need a meningitis shot. Uh, if you're traveling, even if you're going to Mexico, you probably need a hepatitis A and typhoid shot. So the Caribbean, Mexico, which everyone goes to. So yeah. you, also, if you're starting a you know, career in the medical field, you know, you're going to need to be up to date on your uh, measles, mumps, and rubella, your mm-hmm. varicella or chicken pox. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to anything in healthcare, and actually a lot of other jobs, like if you want to be a security guard, you know, you probably need a hepatitis B shot in case, you know, you get into altercation where there's blood involved. Right. A lifeguard who's going to do, you know, mouth-to-mouth CPR. Right. There's so so uh, so many occupations that there's adult vaccinations for. So when you took when you look at employee health, student health, travel medicine, and general wellness vaccines for adults, it's a lot, and people just you know d- don't realize uh, uh, how important it is to to stay healthy. Right. You know, so just even for you, you know, pneumonia shot, flu shot, tetanus shot, travel uh, medicine vaccines as needed, um, and then. Uh, and then, you know, for younger women, you know, the Gardasil shot and yep. to, prevent, to prevent cervical cancer. Right. So, and then the meningitis shot. So when you add them all up, it's, but who is managing this? You know, <laughs> right. That's my question. <laughs> the, the, phar- the pharmacy's not doing it because, no. you know, they're busy selling yep. diapers and potato chips and Gatorade. And now they're also going to manage your adult vaccinations, but I'm not saying that you know, it's just it's not what they do. Right. And then your doctors have stopped carrying most vaccines because right. it's not it's not cost effective and it's very painful to you know ma- manage and store and reorder. So the doctors aren't doing it. So who is really doing this? And this was a void that we thought needed to be filled. Yeah. So I mean, what I find really interesting about this, Jonathan, is that you know where how do people. It, it, I mean, you're telling me things I don't even know, right? So <laughs> how do people actually learn about this if it isn't for their primary telling them, oh, by mm-hmm. the way, um, Carol, you know, and, and mine did this, by the way. Um, you know, it's been 10 years since your last tetanus shot. You need to, you know, we should give you one while you're here this year, right? Or, um, you know, go get Shingrix. 
Right. Um, and, right. you know, other than that, uh, the doctors, I don't think primaries, well, I can only go by my own experience, but I mean, is that where it's falling short? Is that they're not actually educating anybody? Well, I, I think it's twofold. One, they're not carrying it. I mean, there used to be a time 20, 30 years ago where your doctor might have carried it. It's just not cost effective and the reimbursements well, don't that, justify but, it. So, but that doesn't negate them telling people they should be doing it. Well, they also should be telling you to lose weight, stop smoking, exercise. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot that, and, and of course, there are the outliers that do that. And look, yes. I don't want to, I don't want to paint all primary care providers with the same brush. But the question is, are enough of them doing that? You know, are they keeping mm-hmm. track? And may, and there are some systems that do keep track of that. Uh, but you know, let's take, let, even take, uh, for example, travel medicine. Most primary care doctors. Uh, are not educated in travel medicine. It's not their specialty. It's just like, you know, just like they would refer you out to a cardiologist because mm-hmm. it's not what they do. It doesn't mean they're a bad doctor. It's just not what they right. do. So same thing with travel medicine. If, if you're not writing malaria prescriptions and traveler's diarrhea prescriptions and, uh, you know, write, you know, writing for yellow fever. So back, you know, yellow fever vaccine, it's not really what they do. So uh, the question is, are they referring people out to travel medicine experts? You know, e- even if you're just tra- traveling to South America, the Caribbean, if you're going to Mexico, if you're going to Africa, Asia, you know, all of those places per CDC guidelines, there are probably a whole host of vaccines you need uh, to get and counseling mm-hmm. about the do's and don'ts. Right. So, um, you know, and with with the staff turnover and the doctors switching practices and stuff, I don't, you know, and some organizations have it down. They really do. They have this all, everything that you're supposed to get. When are you supposed to get a colonoscopy, pneumonia shot, that mm-hmm. shot? Some of have it down, some don't. So yeah. uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to make sure we created an organization that that was, uh, you know, it, it, in the front of our mind, it, it was our, as our main focus. Right. So you, you, as I mentioned, you have three companies that you run. Um, the next two were U.S. Drug Testing Centers, which you founded in 2014, and then E-National Testing that you just founded uh, the first of this year. Tell me a little bit about those and the impetus behind those and what they do. Right. So U.S. Drug Test Centers, you know, is, is actually a stepchild of E7 Health because within E7 Health, we have seven books of business. And in E7 Health, we do drug testing as part of our support for student health and employee health because they're coming for an employee health vaccine, mm-hmm. but they also need a drug test to start work too, So and a physical. So we, we kind of do it all when it comes to employee health. One of that was drug testing. But we realized with the drug testing and the technology we developed, uh, we could take advantage of our partnership with labs who have locations all across the country. So Mm -hmm. we then set up a nationwide drug testing program for employers and even individuals that can log on to our system, order a drug test at any one of 20,000 locations, Mm -hmm. literally walk in, get it and get the results back. So we were then able to manage other companies' drug testing programs. So instead of them trying to find a company in every state they come or, to you and you send them out to LabCorp or Quest or whomever. Whichever is closest, but they have they don't have to they fill everything out on our platform. Right. The results come back and even 
though they use multiple labs in multiple states, they get one bill from us right. and the results come back to one place. Which that was the technology, yeah. which makes a whole lot more sense for organizations that need mm-hmm. a you know one-stop solution for their nationwide drug testing mm-hmm. program. So, mm-hmm. so that was really a stepchild of E7 Health because we, were, we had already developed a full-on drug testing program within E7. So it just kind of made logical sense to do that nationwide. And then E-National testing was, again, another spinoff of E7 Health because we realized to take advantage of the some of the relationships we had with the laboratories, which we've evolved over you know the, the decade or so, to at least offer the stuff that can be done na- nationwide through the network to at least offer that. So now with enationaltesting.com, um, you can pretty much get any routine or even non-routine laboratory tests. You can get allergy testing, a normal blood panel. You can get cholesterol. You can get STD testing. You can get uh, I am, you know, uh, employee testing, uh, the women's health package, men's health package. Uh, we have all sorts of things that you ru- routinely people you know, at some point in their lives would want to get. And it's not meant to be uh, in place of your primary care doctor, but as a compliment. Uh, so you can, you know, if you already have high cholesterol and you want to keep an eye on it, of course, send everything to your doctor or you want STD testing or whatever. We just want to make it, you know, three, you're three clicks away from getting it. You know, that's the goal. Right. So from an insurance standpoint, so let's say I decide, you know what, I'm going to, I want to keep an eye on my cholesterol rather than having to, you know, mm-hmm. go through the, the nightmare that it often is to mm-hmm. send a message to a patient portal. Then you got to wait for mm-hmm. somebody to get back to you. You know, it's, it's horrible the way health, in my opinion, the way healthcare is run right now. So, you know, I decide, let's say I'm on a new medication and I decide, um, three months later, you know, let me, let me go have my cholesterol checked. Mm-hmm. Um, is my insurance going to cover this if I come straight to you or do I still have to go through my primary? Well, that's the problem. You know, what? if we did go through insurance, you wouldn't be three clicks away. You would be many clicks away from getting it. So what, instead what we did is we made it super affordable. And, you know, the other thing we realized when Got you it. look at most people's deductibles mm-hmm. and when you look at most people's co-pays, at the end of the day, and then three, four weeks, just to book an appointment and then yeah. get it and then we'll get the result. You know, I I would ar- make the potential argument for many people it's more cost effective mm-hmm. uh, to just go this route. I mean, again, you, you know, you're welcome to go to enationaltesting.com. The prices are unbelievably low, uh, and we did that on purpose because we really wanted to be uh, an attractive alternative. Because we, we yeah. our concern is some people just won't get it done. Yeah, you know, even if this is an impetus to take mm-hmm. control of your health to take the result, take it to your doctor and say, look, you know, help me, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with this. Or, you know, I think a lot of people would just realize, oh my gosh, it's going to take me three months to see my primary yeah. care doctor. It's going <laughs> to take me two, three days to get through his or her, her phone mm-hmm. system where you have to press one, press two, press That's three. Then, yep. then, you know, then, then we'll call you back in two days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while of course you, there's no substitute, you have to go see your primary care doctor. We wanted this to be mm-hmm. uh, an, an add-on that people could easily access. Yeah, yeah and, and you know that's that's really great. Um, you know, I think that I think more and more people are starting to really take charge of their own health. I mean, I really don't want to trust a physician to take manage my health for me. <laughs> They're so busy. I mean, a great example is I, I just got a call yesterday what, 25 hours 
before an appointment I have with an orthopedist today um, for my right hip that's shot. <laughs> and, um, and he's a second opinion. He's somebody else I wanted to go see. And, uh, you know, they called me and said, you know, we've got your MRI results from last year. You know, we've got your, you know, because the other person I saw is like a sister company of theirs, a sister, uh, orthopedist to them. And she says, oh, and if you can, if you can bring, um, a CD, we can't get access to your x-ray from when you were there, but if you can bring a CD, I said, <laughs> do you think you could have let me know more than 24 hours in advance? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a challenge to get in 24. <laughs> I, you know, and I, and, and you know, her, her response was, well, you know, if I had more help over here and I thought, you know, I'm not going to get in an argument with her, but I thought that is not my problem. Right. You know, when I made the appointment, somebody should have had the wherewithal and I'll discuss this with the physician myself to say, by the way, we don't have access to your x-ray, please get it. Now it turned out that I happened to be in town and only 15 minutes from from the place. So I zoomed mm-hmm. over there and they got it for me. But, right, good. you know, if I had been at home, <laughs> it would have been a much right. bigger issue. Right. So, yeah, so I hear, I, I hear different versions of this all the time, but you know, yeah. I, I think what we're seeing is with healthcare consolidation, mm-hmm. uh, with less and less doctors actually being in private practice, corporations, equity right. firms, Wall Street buying up yeah. practices <laughs> and hospitals, whatever. You know, just like the cellular phone industry consolidated to three, you know, companies, and the, companies airline, yeah, right. and the airline industry, we're mm-hmm. seeing the same thing in healthcare consolidation. And usually when consolidation occurs, uh, service is the first thing that goes down. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So tell me, um, I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this um, because I don't want it to um, waylay our entire conversation, but I, I do want to circle back to just spend a couple of minutes talking about the COVID vaccination shit show. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, I haven't been, I haven't really talked to anybody about this because I haven't interviewed any physicians, right? So, you know, what do you think uh, I have my own opinions. I think I probably will keep those to myself. But what do you think about, you know, the whole, I mean, I've had people tell me it's not an actual vaccination. Um, um, it keeps you from having any, you know, natural immunity, um, you know, and then then you've got the people who go back and get a booster constantly, like a flu shot. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to if we can, you know, not, not like I said, not just, not hijack this entire conversation. Right, right. Well, look, I, I, I think the initial gripe that people who were going to be critical was that this was rushed, it wasn't well tested, right. blah, 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 that mm-hmm. unlike other vaccines that had been super well tested and tested for decades and da, da, da. Now, that may be true, but if you really view the COVID pandemic as the world's largest clinical trial of a vaccine or a drug. Right. That's a okay. It is now probably, if you view it like that, where we enroll 250 million people into that study, it's probably the, one of the most well-studied vaccines now ever because, it, okay, so the argument was right at the beginning. Okay. But given the emergency, whatever, whatever, however you want it, whichever side of the argument you want it. But now it's probably one of the most well-studied vaccines ever. You know, we enroll 250, if I told you, hey, we're coming out with a new vaccine, but before we release it, we're going to try it on a, on a cohort of 250 million people just to make sure it's safe. To people think you're crazy. <laughs> but but that's, so, so I think that argument is false. It's been now well-studied. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 
and uh, the whole idea of well, the side effects are going to show up ten years from now. You know, that that doesn't that doesn't really sound like anything else I've seen in medicine. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to take a Advil today. And five years later, you're going to get a rash and say, oh, must have been from that Advil I took five <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, so this whole idea, like, we don't really know the long term. Because, you mm-hmm. know, the vaccine disappears after 24, 48 hours in your system. So it literally is like taking a pill and mm-hmm. saying, well, I want to wait to see. I took one pill or, and I want to see the long term side of that. So, I, I, you know, in 10 years, if, if I get dizzy or don't feel well, mm-hmm. it was probably... now. Long-term side effects tend to be more with a medication you're ongoing. So you take the same medicine for three years, then you have some sort of long-term side effect. Then you could say that. But for something that you're, you know, essentially going to take once or maybe twice, Mm -hmm. I think even the long-term side effects are pretty well known. And then lastly, Mm -hmm. just to finish up your, you know, kind of your question, which is, you know, I've heard it from different angles, but, you know, the whole idea that something if it has any side effect, it should be thrown out. Uh, because you have to yeah, look right. at the balance. I mean, but we don't, yeah, you know, read we, any we, drug that gets, that gets yeah, published. Right. I mean, you, you know, even if you have like a, even if you have a, like a hip surgery, you know, certain percentage yep. of people who have hip surgery have certain complications. That doesn't That's mean right. we don't offer hip surgery. That's right. Or, you know, right. I mean, it's yeah. just because on balance, yeah, what's the doing infection a lot- rate? No matter how good you are. Right. There's going to be an, some, some, there's going to be some small, hopefully under 1% percent right. people that you do that hip surgery on right. will, get, will right. get an infection. Right. So, the, so the, I think we're using a different bar to look yeah. at the COVID vaccine yeah. that we don't apply to knee surgery or Advil mm-hmm. or a migraine medicine. Right. You know, we don't use that, say, unless this migraine medicine has no side effect, no one's ever had an ad, you shouldn't be put on the market. Nobody says yeah. that. Right. But with the COVID vaccine, no, yeah. it can't. It, oh, there was, you know, 1% of people had this side effect. Oh, obviously, mm-hmm. if it's lethal or, you know, but, so you have to balance that. But yeah. but given that now that we've had uh, three years or two, three years mm-hmm. to look at this vaccine, I'm pretty comfortable that the profile is not that much off from your mm-hmm. typical vaccine that we've been producing, not using MRI technology. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your. It does, and I'm, it's a great spin on it, and that's 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 certainly something I would I would, you know, throw back at somebody who says, you know, there's it killed people and it did this. You know, well, look at look at, you know, read read the 15 page long thing that you need a microscope to read about all and the then, side effects of all the other drugs that get approved. Right. So <laughs> right. yeah, if that's not the yeah, yeah. we can't have a different bar for that. Yeah. Well, and I think probably I I think personally part of it was that we'd not seen an mRNA vaccine in, right. in use yet. Right. Right. No, and but, and uh, I remembered reading about the woman who was working on it was working on an mRNA vaccine, uh, mRNA for the flu. Mm-hmm. And literally COVID hit, she stopped what she was doing and they went ahead and started working on this. Yeah. Yeah, and actually that technology had been on the shelf for more than 10 years and I right. think they were afraid to use it because of this to use it mm-hmm. and and one could make the argument were not for this we would have never had the courage to roll out mm-hmm. mrna technology because of the stigma that oh i'm injecting a chromosome or dna material into your body yeah. that stigma would have maybe prevented it potentially so yeah. if we could say that if there's any blessing in, mm-hmm. in the horrible things that mm-hmm. this pandemic was, any silver lining yep. is that hopefully that technology will go on to save a lot, a lot of lives in the future. Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. 
So Jonathan, you have spent your whole career in medicine, as I, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, got out of school and, you know, did a number of things, um, you know, including, you know, practicing, being at the university level as a professor, so on and so forth. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned your, your time with Anthem. What had you say in, in, you know, when you started the first company in 2009, you know what? I want to start a company. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, again, uh, for my career, at least, um, it was never like wake up one morning with an epiphany. It was mm. always, you know, one door opens another and it, mm. it's people kind of feel like, oh, when you do something different or change or pivot, that, you know, one day, you know, some cold water's thrown you in your face and you just say, oh my gosh, I have to do this. Right. And as opposed to, it's almost like watching grass grow, right? I mean, it, you, you just, you're sitting on the lawn, next thing you know, a few days later, you're, you know, the grass is a little taller. It was really mm -hmm. much more like that. It was, you know, I did one administrative thing, which led to another administrative thing, which led, and mm -hmm. I don't, and I, and I, I wish I could tell, say it was like totally intentional mm -hmm. and I plotted mm -hmm. every course, uh, you know, I was all methodical, but I think the only consistency is I always was open to another opportunity, you know, just when, when I tried something, if, if it, uh, if it worked, you know, then keep moving in that direction. If it didn't pivot, uh, you know, uh, I kissed a lot of frogs as it were, um, if if you understand what I'm saying mm -hmm. with that. And then when you kiss a lot of frogs, occasionally you find something and you're like, oh, you know, that that that's something that would yeah. be interesting. And it was more an evolution yeah. than than a waking up one morning. Mm -hmm. And you bootstrapped, yeah? Bootstrapped a hundred percent, which, you know, was interesting because, you know, at 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 a certain point I was doing both jobs. I was doing clinical and this yeah. and uh, slowly weaning myself because I didn't want the companies to go in debt or, mm. you know, get investors or what have you. So we bootstrapped it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Has there been any thought along the road of taking investors? I mean, investment to, you know, grow more quickly or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think E7 Health is ready, honestly, to, to, uh, get injection of capital to take it mm -hmm. regionally, nationally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think, I mean, what's holding me back is one, we're continuously improving it and making it mm -hmm. easy to be scalable. And, and, you know, part of it is also, I think, my limitations because I don't really have the uh, bandwidth or maybe even the skill mm. set to go to market and do a dog and pony show. And uh, it's... Uh, I, I, I guess I'm, you know, if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen organically as opposed to intentionally. Mm. That's interesting. What would you say along the way have been the mistakes you've made as a leader? Uh, I think the biggest mistake you make uh, when you first become a leader is uh, thinking that leadership is a soft skill, you know, and <laughs> uh, like, oh, I could be a CEO because, you know, people like me or yeah, uh, right. I, I, you not. know, I can run a company because <laughs> I'm good with people or yeah. You know, that's, that's not going to cut it. It's a technical mm -hmm. skills. They're technical skills you need to acquire. How to, mm -hmm. how to talk to people, how to enroll people in your vision, how mm -hmm. to uh, motivate people, how to, 
give feedback, uh, how to calibrate your response depending right. on who you're talking to. You know, you can't say the same words to the you know, four different no, you people. Communication is important. Right. And so, again, I, I think the biggest mistake, which I'm probably guilty of, is thinking, uh, uh, you know, being a CEO is a soft skill. And yeah. as a matter of fact, I'm launching my podcast. Funny you should say, by, we're launching my second year of Bakhtari MD in the next month. And I've already put some episodes in the can. And we're actually going to call the second season a crash CEO school because it really <laughs> It actually answers the question you just asked, like, what are the mistakes you don't want to make? You know, uh, what are the things you need to own? What are the things you need to understand? Everything from, you know, how important is your website, SEO? What is SEO? What is, you know, what what do you need to do if you want to be online? Did you pick the right business? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you in a blue ocean? Are you in a red ocean? Mm -hmm. You know, understanding all that. Uh, so we, I just thought if I just dedicate a whole season to it, Love so it. I can kind of go over all my mistakes, which there are so many, uh, and see if I can help others. That's fantastic. I love that. So is there, what's the competitive nature of your business? I mean, are there any, is there anybody else, you know, you, you talked a little bit about it. Well, this person, this, you know, they do a little bit, they do a little bit, they do a little bit, but is there anybody? Yeah. You know, what makes E7 interesting is we, you know, I hate to, everyone thinks this is about their own business, this, but we have no natural competitors. Mm-hmm. We really don't. And, you know, there's a reason I have, you know, I think we have over a thousand reviews on Google, pretty much 5.0 on Google. I have mm-hmm. 10,000 reviews on our website from uh, which we got from a third party called listen 360 where they sent surveyed our right and you know you don't get 10,000 I don't know of any other healthcare company that has 10,000 reviews mm-hmm. on on their website and uh, you know and literally 5.0 of you know Google yeah. uh, reviews and I think th- and that ties into what you were saying which is people can't even believe we exist so it's not yeah. like oh you're better than that last guy or you know, and often, often when yeah. we get a corporate client, uh, they, for the most part, they're client for lives. One, because my staff is amazing. Two, our technology is amazing. But three, we don't. There's nowhere else to go. Once yeah. you find us, it's it's not like okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, this, your competitors giving it to us for yeah. uh, a couple of shekels less, so we're moving on. Yeah. So that leads me into how are people finding you? Well, I mean, so locally, um, you know, we're, you know, we have a pretty aggressive digital marketing campaign. Uh, You know, we, whether it's Google ads, blogs, uh, Mm -hmm. we post on all social media, we're involved in some community stuff. So, and then nationally, same thing, you know, we, we really take advantage of uh, digital marketing and we have a strong digital presence. So, uh, that's really been, and also once people start to work with us, you know, this, uh, the word of mouth factor yeah. is also after many years, you know, comes into play. What are some of the digital strategies you've used for the national record, you know, for people to find out about you nationally? Again, so, you know, we've used like Google ads and then, you know, we're, um, we're, we're present in many conferences. We go to many conferences mm-hmm. where we uh, hobnob with people in the industry and, and people who could use our services. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we have a podcast. We we obviously right. post on social media. Uh, we have a dedicated in-house social media mm-hmm. uh, and digital marketing team. Uh, so, and of course, you know, I've done lots of interviews. I've been 
is if you go to back to RMD, I've been you know on the Washington Post, USA Today, Barrons, yeah. Forbes. Mm-hmm. So I think you know all of that is a, has been an effort to get our brand out there and nationwide. So, do you have an ideal client? Uh, well, it depends for which company, but for uh, for E seven, our ideal client are people who really want to outsource their employee health department or student health department. Uh, you know, we have defense firms, you know, uh, we have fortune 500 companies who are our clients. We have local utilities here, uh, that are our clients. So, uh, but E7 is limited by the brick and mortar we have. So we, you know, as we grow that regionally, that's gonna we're gonna attract different clients. And then the uh, U.S. Drug Test Centers, we have over you know six thousand clients nationwide, practically in every city and every state in the United States. So and that continues to grow at a pretty rapid rate. So very proud of that. Got it. So among the three companies, you have uh, about fifty uh, full-time W-2 employees and somewhere in the neighborhood of you know twenty-ish. 1099s. Uh, tell me a little bit about your talent strategy for the three companies and where you've been challenged. Yeah, it's really interesting because one, we are such a niche business. It's hard to recruit people from the outside. Be, you know, mm-hmm. like if I need a vice president of marketing or something, it's very hard to get someone from the outside because one, they need marketing. Uh, talent, but they need to know our business. So for us, since we're, since there isn't like a competitor, we could steal someone from, you know, who would just hop in. Oh yeah. You know, you, if you're an insurance company, you just get someone else that worked in an insurance company and you, you can slide them right into senior management. We can't do that just because of the nature of what we have. So mm-hmm. most of my senior staff have, have been homegrown. I, you yeah, know, I excellent. almost all my leadership literally some started at really I don't want to say minimum wage entry level position, but some of my most senior people literally started from you know just receptionist and even mm-hmm. less than that, just part time people who just. Mm-hmm. We, I had one girl who uh, we needed this is like you know seven eight years ago we needed some scanning done, so I hired her. She was you know finishing high school to do three weeks of scanning for us. Can you imagine? Now we don't scan anymore, but back then we were. <laughs> right. And uh, and then uh, she, just from that three-week stint, now she's literally second in command at U.S. Drug Test Centers. Uh, so that, but, you know, we also had a lot of people that didn't work out. So going to your strategy, you know, it takes a certain person to, to fit into our culture, which is, you know, uh, you got to really care. This has got to be, you know, next to God and family, this has got to be pretty important uh, that you really want to make this a career. You really want to move the ball mm-hmm. forward. But it, but in exchange for that, if you give us that attitude, we want to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You know, we want, we want to take you, prof- take care of you professionally. We want to take care of you financially. Uh, even occasionally personally, if you're having some struggles, we don't, necessarily get involved but if we can lend a helping hand in any way if you're Mm -hmm. going through some challenges that we don't even need to know the details but if we can you know you need some extra time off to get things settled or there's some issues uh you know we make sure we have um you know we're a family we have everyone's uh, best interests at heart yeah that's terrific so since you are home growing home growing so many of these people or pretty much everyone 
Um, what are you doing as people move up the food chain to provide them with, you know, leadership training or just employee training? That's a great question. So one, the, for your most senior people, I have to invest time in. Yeah, I, mm. I have to become a mentor. Uh, I know they, they always tease me. Some of my senior people like I'm like mm-hmm. a second father because you know some of these are younger kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just invest a lot of time in their growth. Uh, mm-hmm. it, a lot of it just is even just listening and understanding mm-hmm. and giving guidance. Uh, one of the strategies, which I haven't heard too many other people, you know, we came up with this thing where uh, everyone's email gets copied to me and not in a, not in a way to like uh, micromanage them or check on them. Mm-hmm. But by seeing their emails going back and forth, I can oft- often you know, intervene and say, hey, I understand this vendor is giving you a little blowback and I, I saw you responded like this. Have you ever thought of maybe like going at it from this angle? They're like, oh. And, and so this mm-hmm. whole idea of reading everyone's email uh, having everyone has my cell phone uh, mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, and then spend a lot of time mentoring them. But mm-hmm. then we also created an online university where all our courses are there. It's just internally for our company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, literally, I think we have hundreds of courses for the receptionist, for the marketer, for whoever. So we don't have to reinvent and re-educate because mm-hmm. we recorded and it gets put in a can and yeah. people can. So if there's a particular topic they want to learn about, they can. it's a cloud-based system. They can listen to it anytime they want. And then we have an extensive policy and procedure manual that's online. So you know you don't make the same mistakes over and over um, so I think with our online university, with our uh, one-on-one mentoring, mm-hmm. and then the other thing I, I did is I I actually had my senior staff replicate what I've done for them to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know there's a book I read uh, called Tribal Leadership, and the, and the gist mm-hmm. the gist of that is you know we don't care how good you are. We care how many people you can make as good as you. Mm-hmm. So if Susie is killing it. You know, yeah. wouldn't it be great to have three more Susies? And so Susie's job mm-hmm. is not only to kill it, but is to make three more Susie. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of the work that I do as well. It's really, really important that, you know, that, that, that it's not just your leadership team. It has to get passed down the food chain. Right. 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 Which is so important. Um, what, what are you most proud of when it comes to your organization? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got to be the staff, the, the the family of people that we have. I mean, it's um, I'm so impressed every day. I'm impressed with uh, their sheer dedication to to the company, to each other. Uh, I'm I'm always pleasantly and surprised how much you know invested they are in the happiness of their of their their fellow uh, family members. They're they're all um, for the most part. You know, of course, occasionally we have some whatever, especially with new staff. But, you know, I think most people get on board and they really care about each other. And it's, it's so nice to see that. It's so nice to see that um, this is not just about getting a paycheck or just making money that uh, people are, you know, if it's somebody's birthday, if it's anything, it's just some, I'm just amazed. It's a, it's a culture that it makes me happy to be a part of it. Yeah. How would you describe your culture? If you had to put it into exact words, 
I think very inclusive, a very non-judgmental, not micromanaging. Uh, you know, giving people lots of runway. Uh, but in exchange, I think you know people uh, have uh, understand that if there are issues that you know how they should be super coachable and and digested the right way. Uh, so I think you know being able to give critical feedback but still maintaining that. Uh, aura that we're all in the same team uh, is something that I think pretty much describes at least most of the time where we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, how do you, uh, what's your day-to-day look like as a leader? What do you spend your time doing? Yeah. Um, you know, my, t- uh, someone taught me this a long time ago that, you know, don't work in your business, work on your business, you know? <laughs> and so, I think I've spent the last, you know, five, six years trying to move in that direction. So, you know, I'm doing this interview with you. Uh, we have, you know, staff meetings about the direction for e-national testing, for example, which is now mm-hmm. the big focus. Uh, we're just getting together a big marketing campaign to promote, you know, e-national. Uh, I actually, we, I had a course internally on how to handle phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um and which I've had for 10 years and I've constantly improved and my staff finally convinced me to put it on Kajabi. So uh, mm-hmm. we just put that course on sale in Kajabi mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. it's called high converting call class. Basically it's a step-by-step for, on how to answer phone calls to book appointment and sales, which is mm-hmm. a big part of what my staff does. Great. So uh, we're just launching that. So that's, so these are the kind of things I work mm-hmm. on uh, new initiatives, new projects, and also how to move the ball forward in a, and a satellite from a satellite perspective. Jonathan, do your employees work uh, in an office? Do they work remotely? Is it a combination of both? No, everybody's in office, so okay. no, no, no remote. Got it. And did so? Did COVID, you know, um, require you to change that? I imagine it did. Not really, because yeah. we uh, first of all, I, even when we gave my staff the option, the most of them. Chose to come take, in. Chose to come in. But also, you know, I have a very younger crew. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's what was part of their decision making. We certainly gave them the option. Yeah. Uh, especially the non, you know, the people that need to see patients, you know, at E7, there was no getting around that. Of course not. Uh, but, but the, the other group uh, we gave the option to. And, uh, you know, they're all, um, you know, most of my staff's in their 20s and 30s, I would say. And, yeah. um, so I, I don't know if that was a big, big enough <laughs> issue for some of them, but we certainly gave them the option. We, of course, we took a lot of uh, precautions. We did testing, mm-hmm. wore masks, and you know, mm-hmm. separated everybody, and you know, we mm-hmm. did all the right things. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we gave people the option. Yeah, interesting. Um, so that that brings me to asking another question that you just had me think about: Where are you on masks? Do they work? Don't they work? No, I Do mean, we, we know, I mean, yeah, we know surgical masks and cloth masks don't work. And, that, and I mean, just, just speaking of that data, not my opinion, right. uh, um, there's a reason why in the hospital that if you really want to protect yourself from small infectious particles, you wear an N95 that's fitted right. for you. Uh, I, you know, we know the data is a surgical mask and cloth mask mm-hmm. for the most part don't work, but can they prevent, can they prevent large droplets potentially from if mm-hmm. you're coughing from large dro- droplets to be aerosolized? So yes, I guess if you're in, probably helps if you're the one infected to 
prevent other people at mm-hmm. some level. But but in yeah. terms of bulletproof, uh, I think yeah. the data says it's probably not bulletproof. Right, right, right. So, yeah, because I, I, I wonder, because sometimes you still walk into an office, a doctor's office, and they're requiring masks. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if they were wearing N95, they were properly fitted, maybe. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, so if someone listening to this uh, is thinking, wow, I, I love what these guys are doing and they live in Nevada. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, with e-national testing, they can go anywhere. We, you know, we're they everywhere. Okay. So, um, and they're thinking this is a company I'd love to work for. What should they oh, do? Yes. Uh, you know, probably just reach out to us, uh, mm-hmm. on any, uh, of our social media sites. Of course, mm-hmm. I've got bakhtariemd.com, mm-hmm. uh, e7health.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, and so they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, of course, we're on all the other social media handles, but mm-hmm. bar, uh, bacteriamd.com is really where we have all the content in one place, whether right. it's our podcast, blogs, newsletter, everything is on mm-hmm. bacteriamd.com. Uh, but yeah, uh, feel free to uh, you know connect on any of the social media sites with me. I'm more than happy to interact with anyone that has any thoughts or questions. Got it. Is there anything that uh, we haven't talked about that I didn't ask you that you want to bring up? Um, no, I think we covered it. Uh, just uh, I think our big wave in the last month or two has been enationaltesting.com. So uh, you could just go a few clicks, put in your zip code. There's probably a, a location within a mile of yeah. most people listening to this. So it's pretty simple and easy. Very cool. Well, Jonathan Bakhtari, CEO of E7 Health, E-National Testing, and U.S. Drug Test Centers. Thanks so much for being with me. This was a really fun conversation. I learned a lot. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.